Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, Denise and I wanted to just chat with you all about some experiences that happened to both of us, ironically or coincidentally, in the same week, that taught us lessons about the importance of stepping away from judgment. So sit back and pour yourself a cup of tea or coffee or just invite us into your ears for a while as we talk about judgment and the weight of it and how important it is to distance ourselves from the pressure of other people's opinions of ourselves. Want to jump right okay. into your story? Yes. Okay. So I'll tell you how this whole thing started and then Denise can share her story. So I have this acquaintance friend and she knows what I do for a living. When she was going through a divorce, she would ask me to pull cards for her or do a reading for her frequently. And when she started dating again, she would ask me to do numerology reports for the different people she was dating to see if they had compatible energy and all of that was just fine. Well, now she's in a very good, healthy, stable relationship and she has gone back to that strict Christian view of this is the devil's work. And so she was sharing this story with me about how a friend of hers mentioned that she and her boyfriend have really, really good compatible numbers. And she said to me, you know, Samantha, I mean, all of that stuff is connected to demons and the devil, and I just don't want any part of it anymore. But it is interesting the way it works. And then I wonder, is that just all that negative stuff trying to pull me back in? Now, I know she was just talking and sharing and, you know, expressing her opinion, but she knows full well what I do for a living. And I really, I don't know, Denise, I can't even say, like, I do this for a living because it feels like more than that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's my belief system. It's what I'm passionate about. It's how I believe the universe works. And so to say, oh, that's all of the devil, it's, it just felt really hurtful. And rightfully so. Especially, okay, if if you haven't crossed over the bridge and all of a sudden, can you do a reading for me? What about my numbers? Is this going to work? And then, oh, I'm going to slam that door because I don't need it anymore. That's, I don't know. I just don't think that's a cool thing to do. It's being very fickle. It's being, um, you know, if it serves me, I'm okay with it. And and no disrespect to this this person. That's, that's not where I'm going with it. But I just feel like we're stepping into this time where we just need to be true to who we are. And a big part of that is saying, you know, the hell with it. I'm not going to worry about what other people think about me or I'm not going to. But, but as empaths, jump back over that fence, we suck it up so much. And it's, it, I mean, to me, that would feel like a very personal attack. Yeah, it really did. And, and so I, I've just been reading this book called Your I think it's called Your Demonic Reality by Patrick Harper. And it's a really fascinating look at how religions have viewed all sorts of things from fairies and guardian angels to UFOs to what the ancient Greeks called daemons. You know how Socrates said he had his own personal daemon. And I'm not saying the D word. I'm saying D-A-I-M-O-N. And I had just read this chapter where he talks about the history of the word demon and how it was Paul, I believe, who was who translated the word incorrectly, that it really was supposed to remain D-A-I-M-O-N, and then he kind of converted it into this negative, scary, diabolical thing, and that's not exactly, that's not at all how it was intended. And so I was just sharing that with her. I said, you know, I said, I feel like there's so much fear in where you're coming from with this viewpoint. And I just invite you to look at the history of that and the history of how all of this was put together and the reason why, you know, I said there's actual evidence that has, that has come to light. There's been a couple of books written on it that Paul was hired by members of the Roman emperor to get everybody on board with Christianity as a way to distance the Roman Empire from paganism and as a way to get money because you can tax that and as a way to unify the Roman Empire. 
And I said, so I just think it's important to look at people's motivation for why they write things, why they believe things, rather than just taking it all, you know, by the spoonful and, and believing every single thing. I said, I just don't want you to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And if some of this, if Oracle decks have brought you comfort or doing the numerology of you and your boyfriend is eye-opening and enlightening to you, that is not saying you're going to open the door to the devil. And she just kind of nodded. You know when people nod at you like, "Uh uh-huh, I'm going to nod, but I don't believe the damn words you're saying. Okay. (laughs) I know that look. I know that look very well. (laughs) And so as she's talking and and I'm talking and then um, I said I said to her I said I just think it's really important to question everything you believe you know why do you believe this as opposed to that I think it's important to question that and to question other people's beliefs without judging them or feeling that you need to put people down for not sharing your belief And she said, oh, I'm not doing that at all. Oh, no, no, goodness, no, I'm not doing that. And I said, well, you kind of just said that everyone who does anything like this is is working with the devil. And she said, well, that's just what I believe. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So, you know me, Denise. I said, well, I mean, the Bible also gives instructions on, like, what to do when your slave gets married. You know, the Bible... (laughs) There's a lot of stuff in there that isn't exactly very Christian. Um, I said, the Bible, you know, talks about a a man living inside a whale's belly. And I just kind of sighed and I said, "Do do you really believe that if you got another numerology reading that you would go to hell and like burn in some eternal fire? And this is a really intelligent woman. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, I kind of do. Wow. And I said, so so you believe that God created us in love and that God gives us unconditional love? And she said, yes, of course. And I said, but if we break one of his commandments or rules, he's going to make you burn in fire for eternity. But he loves you. And she was like, well, I mean, when you put it that way, but yeah. What do you think of that? Two things is I think what what I said earlier, you jump over the fence when it suits your needs. I, I just can't imagine, it, it dumbfounds me that what I know in my soul, and this is my own personal belief system, that's not the God that I feel connected to. That's not the higher power I feel connected right. to. That's not the all that is. I really, I don't feel that. I On a cellular level, on an intellectual level, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Do I think this polarity of light and dark? Yes. Do I think there's some really dark, scary shit out there? Yes. Do I want to personify that with an energy and and let it rule my life? No way in hell. No pun intended. So <laughs> it just went off in my head. Am I being judgy of her when I'm when we're talking about judgment? That. I'm judging her belief system and saying it doesn't align with mine, so it can't be right. Oh, true. I'm doing that too, I guess. So, and I think right. that's the fine line that we hit is uh, okay. So, let me share my story, and then we'll see if it compares. Is and it's it's not to that degree, but I went out to the end of my driveway, and there was a book in a plastic bag, and we've had a lot of rain lately. And I picked it up, and I thought, oh, this is weird. And I brought it in the house, and I looked at it, and it was a very very strong religious beliefs about demons and the devil and very dark stuff, very religious based, a lot of biblical quotes. And I looked, of course, I had to look to see if it belonged with a certain denomination and it didn't. And then I thought, does someone know what I did? And they put this in my driveway or, you know, did I offend? Why would someone, why is this here? Because it wasn't like hung on the post or it wasn't left by the mailbox. It was just kind of thrown in the driveway. So I called my dear friend and she said, I bet if you looked, everybody in the neighborhood got one. But still, it said that it, it, I felt my guard go up a little bit of that look over your shoulder feeling of, is what I'm doing offending someone? Am I, it's very delicate 
ground. He really is. It is very delicate ground. And, you know, I saw on the news a couple of weeks ago in North Korea, they have started rounding up and executing psychics. Are you serious? I meant that, yeah, I am unfortunately very serious. There are three uh, women who have been telling fortunes, is the way the New York Times reported it, were brought to trial and executed that day. Well, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Two were executed that day. One was imprisoned for life. North Korea. Right. Okay. And I just read that article, and and it just made me think, gosh, I mean, that happened during the Holocaust. You know, all the gypsies, fortune tellers, astrology readers, intuitives, they were all rounded up and put in the camps. And it's happening now in North Korea. And it just makes me think, sometimes when we read about the persecution of witches and whatnot from... Salem in the 1600s and the Inquisition. It sounds like old history, and yet it's not. And in many ways, I just feel like what we do and what we believe in is still kind of persecuted in the subtle ways of that creepy, weird book being thrown in your driveway or my acquaintance saying that all of this work is of the devil. Right. And then what do we do with it? And I, what do we do with it? So, so as I'm, telling her all of this stuff, all the the history of, you know, I'm telling her the history of how the Bible was put together and how when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, how the church tried to keep that secret because it wasn't in alignment with a lot of the teachings in the Bible and how it was, I said, you know, maybe, maybe the Bible is the word of God, you know, Mm -hmm. but it can't be the whole word of God because so many of those books we now know have been suppressed. And then I said to her, and I said, just look at some of the things that were said in there. Like God told Moses to kill all, was it the men? I can't remember the name of the enemy at that time, but he told him to kill all of them and keep the virgins for yourself. And I said, you know, that's not a very God-like thing to say. And anyway, as I'm talking, I was realizing exactly what you said before that I was judging her for her beliefs and kind of putting them down by pointing out these inaccurate, uncomfortable stories in the Old Testament. And I just tried to shut up. I just tried to like clam up the minute I realized I was doing that. Because that's a little bit on your high horse. Have you ever talked to an atheist? You know how they get that tone in their voice? Like, (laughs) you can't really tell me that with all the science, you believe that consciousness survives death. I felt like I was getting into that territory. So I just kind of clammed up. And she said, gosh, Samantha, I kind of feel like we're going to be struck down just because you're saying all of that. And then I realized, oh, I don't even think she's judging me. I don't think this has any damn thing to do with me. I think she's just living from a place of fear, which in many ways we all are. I mean, look, I'm afraid of being judged. I'm afraid of being persecuted. I'm, I'm afraid of people looking down their noses at me because this is what I do for a living. So I get that. But once I had that little aha moment of, oh, she didn't like plan to tell me the story to put me down. This, this just tumbled out of her mouth without her thinking, oh, this could really upset Samantha because she's a psychic and apparently works for the devil too. She was just talking and all of that talking was coming from a place of fear. Makes perfect sense. So it helped me to realize that. And then I didn't feel that prickly sense of defensiveness anymore. And then that weird tone left my body as well. And then we just eventually switched topics and moved on to something else and had a lovely conversation. The whole thing was a reminder. I was listening to a radio show the other day, and the woman was talking, was interviewing someone, and she said, she asked what their religious beliefs were, and the person said, oh, I'm spiritual, but I have, you know, I was brought up one religion, and then I switched to this, and I'm also, I have Buddhist, like listed all these different things. And the person paused, and then they said, but you really need to align with one to go deeply into that doctrine, that spirituality. And that got me thinking because even though I was brought up Catholic and then I realized I don't agree with a lot of the, the, the beliefs of the Catholic church and I wanted to be a more spiritual and I, I had always been very spiritual and, and very open. But my, my point being, I just cannot get it through my melon head that because a, a Christian word of God 
is more than another belief system. I just think that they were all, this is, and this is, I'm probably going to the devil on this one. I believe they were all channeled books to those specific people, but how could one be more than the other? It depends on what your belief system is. Does that make exactly. any sense? It does. It does. And, and yet, you know, we've all been going to war over who's white for all of these centuries. And it does feel wrong to me. And yet I have to say, Denise, I, I know so many people who do what your friend suggested and they just pick a doctrine, they dive into it, they embrace it. That is what they believe. And there's a part of me that kind of envies that. There's such a simplicity to that. And yet I can't go there. I can't go there either. I've always questioned. I mean, I was that annoying kid in Sunday school, you know, who would ask those questions. Like my daughter came home from religion class last week and her best friend said to the teacher, so if Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel and then they married these ladies, then are we all descended from incest? <laughs> and the teacher goes next question yeah and so my little feisty girl goes oh i'm so sorry i don't think you heard her question because you didn't answer it <laughs> and, the, and the teacher said we're not going to get into all of that right now and just would not answer it and that was what i experienced in my childhood growing up in the church as well was you know don't overthink things samantha don't ask too many questions god loves you that's really all i got so i've never been able to embrace one whole teaching and say this is the only right way i have enjoyed going to church and being a part of a community i've enjoyed the ritual but I've never looked at another person's face and thought in my head, boy, you poor sucker, you got it all wrong. Right. You know, I've that's, never, that's exactly I've never it. done that. Because that's as real yeah. to them as your religion is to you. So how can one be more than the other? It doesn't, logically, I, I can't wrap my head around that. It just does not make any sense. Um, but I heard this really cool thing, and this is kind of connected, but, well, it is connected. I was reading this thing that there was a Native American man and he was going through all these things with the indigenous tribes of how the Black Hills of South Dakota, which I absolutely love. I think that's a gorgeous part of the country. I'd like to go back there. There's something, it feels very sacred to me. And I didn't know this, that on a native belief that that's the heartbeat of Mother Earth. And then they went through all these different sacred sites around the world and how the Aborigines believe their sacred site is about the blood flow of Mother Earth. And it went through this whole thing of all these different sacred sites. And then it ended with, you know, this is what unifies us. This is what brings us together as one is to take care of Mother Earth and also to realize that we are all the same. And I thought about that for a long time. Everything's pushing unity, acceptance, see, see the light in other people. But the only way to get that is to simplify and just realize where you are and what you're doing and your connection to, to the planet. And not in a hippy-dippy, I'm not going in that direction with this, but I thought it was very, very interesting that that message keeps coming through. We need to unify. We're all one. We're all in this together. You know, we're all, step into your light so that you can send a ripple out to help other people. That was really brought through with what the, the Native elder was saying. And it ties in with the religious stuff because don't judge mm -hmm. the other people. Just accept that where they are is as vital and important because when I read about all the sacred sites, I thought you can't have one without the other. If you're looking at mother earth as a living entity. Right. Exactly. That's a beautiful message. And I think as intuitives and empaths, we just need to accept ourselves. And maybe a part of us just needs to accept other people's judgment as well and not defend it or fight it. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, last week my friend bought a table at this charity function and invited me to go. 
And I'm driving there, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to be at a table with all these women I don't know and have never met. And what's the first thing you say to someone after you meet them? What do you do? (laughs) So I'm driving there, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? Often I'll say, oh, I'm a life coach. But that's just as trivialized and looked down upon these days as being an intuitive. And so I was really thinking, like, well, I could just say I stay at home because I do work from home and that wouldn't technically be a lie. And so I'm really grappling with this. And finally I walk in and I get up to the table and my friend grabs my shoulders and goes, girls, this is the psychic I was telling you about. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And all the women start, you know, giving me their cards. I want a reading. I want a reading. And it turned out to be just fine. So those two events I had recently, you know, those women being like, I want a reading, I want a reading, and then the acquaintance friend, you know, basically saying, I'm going to burn in hell, have just made me realize, I think it's me who's judging me the most. And I just need to accept who I am. And if you don't like it, oh, well. I, I love that. Right. I absolutely love that. Because we're our we're own worst enemies as far as holding ourselves back, of keeping ourselves small, of not allowing ourselves to. I was talking with a friend of mine earlier, and I said it was something that is very near and dear to me that has, and I said I've wanted this since I was, I'm not going to share it on, on air right now, but it was something that has been in the back of my mind since I was maybe 17 years old. And I said to my friend, I said, is this when I trust myself enough to, to do this, to try this, to go in that direction, or am I going to keep myself small and keep judging? And we had a really in-depth conversation about that, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about, is when do we get to that place where we say, I'm enough, just as I am. Thank you for your opinion, but I'm not going to believe you anymore. And I think if we turn that in on ourselves as well of, I thank you, but I'm not ready to stay small anymore. I'm not ready to stay, hold myself back anymore from from what I really want to do or who I want to be. Does that make any sense? Exactly. It makes perfect sense. How do you think people get to that point? Do you know what I mean? Like, I've asked a lot of older people, what's the best thing about being your age? And they will inevitably reply with the same response. I just don't give a shit anymore what people think. Right. I hear that all the time from older people. And now that I'm getting older, as I'm in my mid-40s, I think, well, I'm not there yet. Like, when am I going to get there? Because I still do care what people think. I do. I wish I didn't, but I do. Well, and I... I Working I, on it. <laughs> and it's funny you brought up the age thing because I did think it was my age. I thought it was, oh, this is the time in life where I, I just am more comfortable with myself or I've gone through all these life lessons so I don't care anymore. But then I started noticing it with, with people in their 20s or people in their 30s or people in their 40s who just like, you know what, I just don't care anymore. I want to just live my life the way I want to live it. And And I agree. How do we step away from what and I think it depends well this is this is a weird thought does it depend not I think it does does it depend on how deeply we identify with what we feel we're being judged about so like with us we're well like we're intuitive mediums that's to us Mm -hmm. it's who we are it's what we believe it's what we do for a living it's what we talk about with I mean that's just who we are we came this way but if it was something that, you know, it, as far as fashion or location or something that wasn't as personal, would it matter as much? Hmm. I see what you mean. So because it's so important to us and such a part of our identity. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, it- well, like, I'll use a different example. I think my curly hair is a part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't picture myself without curly, big hair. But if I meet someone who says, oh, my gosh, I hate curly hair, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. Right. 
so why then do I get my feelings hurt when someone says, oh, you're, you're going to hell because you do this for a living? Okay, so why are we so uncomfortable with that? That's a good, that's a good point. Right. That's, I mean, that's like if someone said, I don't like big eyes, they creep me out. Well, shit, I have big eyes, I don't know what to tell you. I wouldn't take that as yeah. a personal assault. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but if someone's, I, I, maybe because there is so much judgment on it on a, a societal level, I don't know. I don't know, but I think, well, it, I think there's judgment on it in a cultural level, a religious level, a historic level, and also in a, almost like a success level. Like even if you are a big success as an intuitive there are still people who kind of snark at you behind your back. Yes. So yes. maybe because there's so many layers to it, that's why it's so hard to wade through all of that and figure out, you know, which layer are you coming at me from? <laughs> from a religious perspective, a cultural? You just made a really good point because I'm fine if someone's a skeptic be a skeptic. I think that's healthy. I think that it's don't believe everything. And I, I mean, we both do this when we do readings or when we talk about this work is always subject to change in free will or trust your own intuition or I hope this validates what you already know. I mean, we really make sure there's a connection with the person we're reading with and we're not coming off as, as guru or I know all this or whatever. But what troubles me is when people make a disparaging remark about how you know that that's my form of income that that is you're charging for this boy that's that's really or they'll they'll demean it's almost like covert emotional abuse like it comes in under the door like a, a smoke and then all of a sudden you end up feeling like crap and you like you don't deserve what you're earning does that yeah oh yeah i've gotten that too or they'll and then i always have to say, well, I'm charging for time, not for the gift, or blah blah blah. I don't. I I think I've worked through that enough now, where I don't even defend that. I just kind of smile and nod. Yeah. See, that's how. So maybe, maybe. Well, but I've worked on it for a long time. Like I've really thought about it. I've journaled about it. I've really meditated on it. I've looked at what other people have said about it. So maybe I need to do that with all of this religious stuff as well. Who knows? Oh, you know what? Another thing. I did. I tell you about going to see John Edward. Yeah. Well, I went and I went by myself and I didn't want to go. It was late at night. Blah blah blah. And I was sitting next to these people and I realized and a very 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 chatty woman. Oh God, love her. Could that woman chat? Chat, bad, 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 on and on and on. And then I realized she's here because he's a TV person. She's not here because she has any. She has no no connection with this world and they were there because her husband had um his, his mother had passed they were hoping for a reading they had seen john you know a couple years ago and then i said well do you ever see any local people or do have you ever gone to someone that's not famous and she got this blank look on her face and she said well no no why would i do that no I, I don't know that you could trust them. I don't know. And I'm just on the inside trying not to bust a gut over this, thinking, oh, my God, I am going to hell on this one, just playing this woman. But I wasn't. I just didn't want to say, oh, I'm a medium, and the woman's sitting right next to your husband. I didn't want to do that. Right, so, right. It's so strange to be, because when we do this all the time, we're generally 98% of the time around people who get it, who understand that we there's it's all about vibration and you can talk to people in another realm or that you get intuitive hits and then to be surrounded there was a whole little group around me chatting talk about feeling like you were air dropped in and none of them had any background whatsoever in intuitive or mediumship or any of it and it was i thought about it a lot on the drive home how weird that was to not because i forget i forget that mm -hmm. to a lot of people, this is really foreign. It is. It is very foreign. And I think a lot of people don't really want to look into what this world involves because it does involve time and critical thinking. Like when I was asking my friend all of those questions about 
the Bible and how it was put together, I could tell it made her really uncomfortable. She didn't want to take the time to think about it. She just wanted to believe what was being given to her and not question it or think about it. And I do think it's shocking to be around people like that who who just want to be sheep and kind of follow along. And and again, I know that just sounded really judgy. I, I think there's a lot of comfort in being a sheep. <laughs> it's much more difficult to be a lone wolf or a black sheep. So I get it. But I think when people like us are around people like that, it feels a little isolating, um, a little shocking, and disconcerting. Which jumps over into, you know, when you're so sensitive and empathic and you're around people who aren't, it's the same damn feeling. Mm -hmm. If if you're trying to explain to someone, I can't go watch that movie because it's too violent and I I can't physically handle that, and they're all sneering and saying, oh, blah, blah, blah. That that's as isolating as if you're talking to dead people, and you know. Yes, yes. Well, like when you and I were just complaining, just on the phone, as chatting as friends, how we've all had we the two of us have had people working at our house on different projects for months, and how it feels uncomfortable to have strangers in your home all the time. And most people would look at us and say okay, you're having your house painted, get over it. But as empaths, that feels almost like an invasion of privacy. Yes. And most people don't get that. But the other thing that I think is difficult about the work that we do is that expectation of proof. Mm -hmm. For example, if I go up to someone and I say, oh, I teach English, nobody has ever said to me, really? Prove it to me. What is the main thesis of To Kill a Mockingbird? Mm-hmm. You know, no one has ever done that. But when you do this work, there's that weight of show me. Like, I'm not, like I always tell people, I'm, I'm, not very, I'm not a very good psychic around my friends because I have a really hard time separating what I'm picking up for them intuitively versus what I'm picking up from them for them based on what I want for them. But it does happen where we'll just be at dinner or walking or whatever, and I'll just say, oh, my gosh, I think your husband's going to get a promotion this summer. Like something will just kind of tumble out of my mouth, and it later comes true, and then they're like, oh, that's so exciting. I love being your friend, blah, blah, blah. But I have this one friend that I've had for years. Nothing like that has ever happened around her. And she's recently lost a parent, and that parent has I've just never tuned into that parent. I've never picked that person up. She's never asked me to, but nothing has ever popped up around that friend. And I can, when we do have these conversations, I can feel her looking at me like, hmm, do you really do this? Are you good at it? Hmm. Like that, that weight of, yeah. of doubt, prove it to me, expectation. I just think that's hard. And, and I really don't think, or at least I can't think of any other career that has to deal with that, right? Like if if you met someone and they said, oh, I play basketball for a living, would you say to them, prove it to me, do a, do a dunk shot now? Right. I guess if you were in the entertainment industry, it could, where you're, or if you Yeah, have, like if you're like a comedian, I think comedians yeah. probably have that, make me laugh. Right. That would make sense. I, I just think that it's uh, the, the the bottom line is how do we how do we take care of ourselves enough so that it doesn't matter and doesn't cut us to the quick or doesn't debilitate us from stepping into what we really want to do or who we want to be or what leap of faith we want to go towards. I think that's well, a I think one. I think for me, a part of me is still working that out. But another part of me would answer what you were saying before, that it's not about hiding who I am anymore. It's not about saying, oh, I'm a teacher, or I'm an intuitive life coach, or I'm a freelance writer. For me, it's about saying, I'm an intuitive, and I host podcasts. For me, it's about inside my own head saying, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You have 
proven that you can do this to the thousands of clients you have worked with all over. You've proven that you can do this to yourself every day since you started on this earth. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You are whole just as you are. And just reminding myself of that when I'm in those uncomfortable situations, that does help. I ran into a woman that I used to work with at the school. I just saw her in the grocery store the other day. And she she's much younger, and she said, so, you retired now? And I said, no, I'm, I'm just working my business. And I know her religious background is very, very fundamentalist. I have never shared what I do because I know it would be offensive to her. But she said, oh, so your business is doing well? And I said, yeah, it, it's, I'm very much enjoying being self-employed. And I just left it at that because it would have been judgment, and she never would have spoken to me again, even casually because it goes back to what we said earlier about it being being a devil's henchman and all these other things. Oh, I know what I want to share with you. So when I took a, a mediumship training in, in Maine several years ago, there was a closed Facebook page that made mediums who took Maine workshops, whatever it was called. And probably last week, this man got on there who had been in this course and went off on this tear about you're all going to hell. The devil is worked through you. My Lord and Savior has told me that I need to repent from my ways. It became very, um, he and Doreen could be good friends. And I don't mean that, uh, I don't mean that judgy. I just mean they're coming from the same place with this. But I thought, what flipped the switch from him to step away from his internal belief system to can you imagine all of a sudden waking up one day and saying, I can't be me anymore. I can't believe this anymore. No, I, I think it would have to be fear. It does him. go back to the fear or, but why are so many people like standing up again? It's similar to what you said about North Korea or Doreen Virtue or this man that came on there or, you know, the, the whole mindset of persecution. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think as a, as a whole, as a society, this point in history, so many groups that have been put down and kept down are finally saying enough. I'm not talking about intuitives here. I'm talking about so many other groups who have historically, traditionally been kept down, quote unquote, and they're now saying enough. I'm not going to do it. And they're standing up and they're demanding their rights. And I think it's wonderful and exciting and hopeful to see that. But what that does is it creates a polarity where the side that has always been comfortable with those people in the closet and kept down and quiet and shut down are now going, wait, what? We're all supposed to get on board with this? And it makes them hold on to their beliefs even more and become more fundamental about their beliefs. Mm -hmm. so that they can be justified and feel right in the position that they've held their whole lives and were taught to hold their whole lives. That was very well put. Well, I, I don't know if I'm right, but I just, I do think we're going to look back on this time from a historical perspective and it's going to be akin in a way to the sixties, mm -hmm. you know, where people were just standing up and saying enough. I demand equal pay. I demand equal rights. I demand to be heard, to be seen. And whenever you do that, the, the group that has always been on, in, on top or in charge, they have to defend their position on top even harder. And sometimes the negative aspect of that is a form of persecution. But you know what would be interesting is, because you're the, the history major and you have that background, when there's been an absurgence in, so late 1800s, mediumship, spiritualist churches, all of those things, was there a big decline after that? So we've had this big absurgence with media, with, you know, all these people on the big stage and they're making this more normalized. And, and will there be, a, is that part of this drop up as well? Is it a cyclical pattern? I think it is. I do. If, and if you look at the Fox sisters who started that spiritualist movement in the late 1800s, it really came to an end, in my opinion, with Houdini. Mm -hmm. You know, once, once his mom died and he was so grief-stricken, 
and he couldn't find a medium who could bring a message through that satisfied him because he didn't really understand the way a lot of this worked. And I think whenever you have something that becomes so popular so quickly, you are going to get a lot of fraudulent people. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of on a, on a mission. And I think that, you know, contributed to that decline. And then we had World War II. And I think after that, if you look at the 1950s, we really just held on to this conservative viewpoint of looking at life because it made us feel safe after everything we'd gone through with the depression and the wars and all of that. And I think after we went through the sixties and rock and roll and civil rights and women's rights and all of that, people felt more open. And, and that's when we had this upsurge of yoga and meditation and intuition and energy work coming back to the forefront. So I, I do think it's always cyclical. Right. And and I really think the reason why it goes down is usually because of fear. Mm-hmm. But either way, if you do honor your convictions and stand in your truth and fight through that fear, that's helping to build that unity with one another that I mentioned in the Native American speech with the connection with Mother Earth. Isn't that what this ever all these? Uh, marginalized groups that are stepping up and saying, "I'm not, de- we're not doing that anymore. You're not going to judge me. You're not going to keep me down." Maybe that's why we're all feeling this this need to step up as well. Is it's causing a shift in the energy, not only for the individual but also for the collective. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. You know that story, it goes around online frequently of the professor holding a glass of water and he says, if you hold, how long can you hold this glass of water? You know, it's the glass of water doesn't weigh a whole lot if you hold it for like five, ten minutes. But if you have to hold it for a whole day, that glass of water is going to weigh your arms down. Mm-hmm. And he compares it to something that we carry inside of us that we try to push down at the end of the day or at the end of years, it weighs us down. And, and I really think that's true for our, our truth, the, the authenticity, the core of who we are. When we try to keep that down and hidden, it weighs us down. And when we're weighed down, we're not contributing to the collective. We're not contributing to anything. We're just weighed down. And so I think people are tired of being weighed down. And we're each giving each other permission to let that out, to let that glass of water out and just pour it out and, and share it and say, this is who I am. And I'm not going to let it weigh me down anymore. I'm not going to let it embarrass me. And I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to let the weight of your judgment define me anymore. And, and again, I don't, I don't believe that happens overnight. I, I do believe it happens through time and trial and error and really through learning to just love and accept yourselves who and where you are in the path. You just made a really good point with not letting someone else's beliefs or judgment define you. That's like bing, bing, bing. Uh, you know, you nailed it with that because that's what it comes down to is are we going to believe in ourselves enough to say, well, thank you for your opinion, but I'm still okay with who I am. And when you say that this whole it's a it's so similar to the 60s that's what we're seeing in this whole generation of people coming in is um i think i'm going to do it my way but thanks for your your advice you know there's this twilight zone episode that has always stayed with me i don't know if you've seen it it's a beautiful woman she could be a model and maybe she was in real life and she's surrounded by all these grotesque looking people they have these like snout noses and these little eyes and they just look really monstrous. And she's trying to have plastic surgery to look like them. Have oh you seen this episode? No, I love and so they It's a really good one. And so they, she's going back again because the first time didn't work and they're all really anxious. And you don't see her. So you just, as you're watching it, you don't know why all the people look kind of hideous and whatever. You're just watching the Twilight Zone. And she's in the bandages. And when they take the bandages off, they're all hopeful. And 
when they take it off, you still can't see her. And everyone goes, oh, she's still hideous. I can't look at her. Oh, my gosh. And they're covering their eyes because she's so hideous. And then the camera goes to her, and she's this gorgeous model in terms of our views. Mm-hmm. And, she, the, and the episode ends with her looking in the mirror and screaming at her, quote-unquote, hideous appearance. I don't know. That episode has always made me think, what is beauty? What is right? What is wrong? Like, who gets to say? We're all just trying to fit in and get along and be loved. And we just take on the customs and the costumes of whatever the majority is doing. But in the end, are we really the ugly duckling? Like, are we really just hiding who we are? just to fit in with some collective view of this is what a success is. This is what beauty is. This is the right religion. This is the right way to live. But who says? And, and nobody gets to decide what aligns most with you. Like we, we talked exactly. to a lot of different people about a lot of different things as far as yes, the intuition, but that's one of the things I absolutely love, love, love about doing this work is the variety of people, the variety of stories and lifestyles and cultures. And it is just stunningly amazing to hear other people's stories. And, and again, it goes back to where all, we all have the same issues. I, I talked with a woman in, uh, South Africa a little while and after I got off the phone after I got off the zoom I was thinking it's the same stuff this woman's on the other side of the planet different age but going through the same thing as everybody else and I think how do we not how do we but I think we're all trying to get to that place where it doesn't matter it just doesn't matter and and there's a freedom in that there's a, a huge freedom in that of just being who you came here to be. Yes, and I think that freedom can be expanded and shared if we can work on giving everyone else that freedom to be. Yes. And, yes. and it can start in, in little ways and, and big ways, but we can each contribute to it. I, I remember years ago, my friend and I used to host a, a cookie uh, swap, you know, at Christmas time when everyone brings mm-hmm. cookies. And one of our friends stayed afterwards to help us clean up. And she's a lovely woman. I'm still friends with her today. I, I love her. But at the end, as she's helping us clean up, she said, do you guys mind if I gossip for a minute? And my friend said, actually, yeah, I do. She said, sorry, hate to be a fuddy-duddy, but we just had such a lovely evening with all these women. I just don't want to mess it up with gossip. Oh, and then she beautiful. just changed the subject. I know, and I, I thought, wow, that's, she did it so tactfully and nicely. She didn't put our friend down. She didn't judge her for wanting to gossip. She just nipped it in the bud. Mm-hmm. And I have taken that, and I've used it myself when I've been around other people who have said, do you mind if I gossip about so-and-so? And I think that's one way that we can allow people and ourselves to be free if we hear someone putting down a whole group of people, I think we have every right to say, I'm so sorry, I don't share those views and I don't really want to discuss that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about blah, blah, blah and change the subject. So I just think there are ways that we can support who we are within ourselves while also supporting other people and allowing them to be their true authentic selves. Exactly. Well said. Well, I don't know if we provided any answers. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope we've made you all think at least a lot about the judgments you might be putting on yourself or the judgments you might be buying into that are placed on you by other people. And I hope this at least initiates some discussion in your own contemplative world and in your life with friends and family. I think it makes a good discussion for the dinner table. How is the weight of judgment stopping you from being your authentic self? And what are we all going to do about it? 
And I think it all comes down to that lovely quote, we're all just walking each other home. That's really what we need to do is just walk each other home and support each other along that walk. Beautiful. Before we wrap up the show, Denise and I just wanted to mention that on May 30th, we're going to be offering a free webinar. In June, we're going to be teaching our Beginner Mediumship 101 class. We love doing this class. It is so fun and interactive and educational. It's a supportive environment where people can really test and discover and strengthen their mediumship abilities. But we always get emails and Facebook messages that say, I want to take that class, but I don't even know if I'd be any good at it. I don't know if I am a medium. I don't even know how to use Zoom. So we thought that on Thursday, May 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to offer a little webinar. It'll be about an hour. All you have to do is go to my website or Denise's website. We'll tell you our website's addresses in just a minute, but we'll also post this information on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. Click on our websites under webinars, purchase, quote-unquote, the free webinar, and then we will email you the link. And then on Thursday, May 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern, you can join us for a free webinar where we're going to tell you in depth what we're going to go over in that class. You can test out Zoom, see if you like it. We already have a lot of people signed up, and I'm hoping they join us for this free webinar too so then everyone can start to meet each other and share their experiences and ask questions and get all sorts of great insight and information as to whether this course is for you or not. So again, that's Thursday, May 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time with Denise and myself. It is free, but you do have to register. So you can go to samanthafay.com or thegratefulmessenger.com, click on webinars, and you'll see the little icon that says free webinar. Just click that. Once you register that way, we will then send you an email with all of the information to show up on May 30th. So that'll be a lot of fun. We hope you join us. It will, and I think it will give everyone a clearer understanding of what the course is really all about. It's a lot of information, and as you said, a lot of fun. We really enjoy doing this. We really do. So if you want to check it out or just get online and ask us a question about mediumship and what this class is all about, please go to either one of our websites to sign up. And we hope to see you there on Thursday, May 30th. Perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in once again. We hope you have a beautiful, wonderful week free of judgment. Don't forget to always show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone.